It's May 10th, and on today's episode, I hope you're not sick of superhero shows. I know we did Invincible recently, but Netflix seems to like to pick them up. After losing Marvel, it started Ragnarok, it's done Umbrella Academy, and then it was like, hey, we really like Daredevil Season 1, so they took Stephen S. The Knight, the showrunner from that, stuck him onto this show, Jupiter's Legacy. You watched the first episode, the pilot. We're going to talk about that one. I've done some research, I've got the questions, but first, the intro. So I haven't seen this episode, but from what I understand, this is a family of superheroes. We follow two timelines, and are both timelines as gripping as each other, or does one hamstring one another? No, the one in the present is more gripping than the 1929 one that we see. Okay, so you'd say the past timeline, which it's funny because this show is influenced by King Kong Mm -hmm. and the island in which they found him in 1933, I think. Yeah, but yeah. That makes sense because there's an IMAX sort of feel whenever you get to the past. It's almost like Lucy in the Sky. Well, describe to me the past. Like, what is going on there? We have our main character, Sheldon, and his brother Walter and his dad and we see that they own a company called Samson Steel and this is right before the stock market crashes and they want to expand the company but as it does his dad becomes incredibly depressed about it because basically their company owned the whole entire town and commits suicide right in front of Sheldon on a rooftop. So he jumps off the roof and that's all on the up and up like there's no evil sinister plot yeah, going on no. there the dad isn't manipulated into killing himself and there's no villain that's coming out <laughs> not not that i know so far i think it was just he was depressed so he decided to jump off all right so what else happens in 1929 well that was that was basically it that's, that's the where whole it story. ends yeah that, is there a cliffhanger no that because the cliff because it mostly takes place in the present there's one scene that takes place in the past it's the beginning scene where we see chloe and brendan they are as kids and they're kind of playing with this other kid and chloe has this you mean weird... other than the 1929 storyline there's one scene yeah. that doesn't take place in the present yeah and i don't i don't think kind of in between those two yeah man, all right again it's the first scene and chloe uses her power which is this weird screaming ability where she can scream and like it'll like brush people back like she doesn't have any control over it yeah like the two kids are on the ground and they're how old are these kids at this point i'd say they're around 10 years old all right so and they're playing a game and uh one of the kids is so scared about it that he runs away and the dad sheldon yes uh, we see he is a lot older now than he is in 1929 Mm -hmm. but he comes down because he heard the scream and he's like you cannot use your powers just over a game or something like that these were given to you as a gift and kind of lectures her and then they're about to go get ice cream because it was like oh you learned your lesson but the dad then has to go stop a crime that he hears because he has ultra hearing from miles away so it kind of showed that the dad was abandoning them at a young age Okay, and was that believable? Was you were you did you feel sorry for the kids? Yeah, yeah, and I think effective is what I mean. Yeah, all right. From what I've been reading, it says it, it sort of feels like a mix of Fantastic Four, where you get these people, and in this case, you haven't even seen it yet, but people in the past who are exposed to getting some sort of powers all at once because it's not not only sheldon who has powers who's old at this point right right yeah it's his uncle walt who they call him and you mean his brother yeah sheldon's brother yeah and they don't make it defined exactly what the other people's powers are like Mm -hmm. i don't know what walt's power is but but beyond him just flying around yeah it also felt a little bit like shazam just seeing the costumes where like that design is a little bit 
crazy and also the mythological aspect of it either greek or roman i think this is more roman because jupiter's legacy is a is a right. roman god versus zeus which is uh greek and josh but. josh Jamal, i just want to say he looked like chris pine in fact i thought it was chris pine throughout the whole entire pilot the only reason why i know it wasn't is because of the intro credits where he's the first name okay but he also reminded me completely of invincible this feels like an invincible live action remake um just maybe a little less violent do you expect there to be similar twists and turns no no not not as many but the final fight scene reminded me of it because you get gruesome murders you get people basically wow yeah one one head is decapitated you get like someone who is just blasted with nuclear energy and you see the fallout of that and it's not like the action that you saw at the beginning of the show which was a little bit more light-hearted did it also remind you, because you've seen Pennyworth, you've also seen yes, Superman yeah. and Lois, <laughs> and when you talk about a family dynamic show, that kind of put the lead into it at the, earlier this year when it came out in like February, yeah. to the idea of like, let's have this farmland where there's the dad Superman taking care of his two kids who also have abilities, I think. For this guy, Sheldon, his kids have abilities, yeah, no, they I, live on a farm. I wrote down Pennyworth and Superman and Lois as things that this reminded me a lot of because you get the same type of dynamics. Um, the only which, thing that, which farm was bigger? Uh, this one. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not my question. <laughs> Do you think that the kids from both families um, would get along? Probably not, no. But you do get the dynamic of one wanting to be a superhero and one definitely not wanting anything to do with it. And, and which thought, which one's the one that wants to be a superhero? In this? Uh, Brandon. Brandon? And yeah. then the which is the one that uh, Chloe, Chloe would be doing? Chloe's the one that doesn't want to. In fact, we only get... She does not want powers either. Yeah, she, did, she doesn't want to be like the father of the superhero or anything like that. We only get one scene with her in the present and she comes home incredibly drunk and then she just kind of blows up during this awkward family dinner that the whole entire family, including uncle walt is at and uh she gets runs away takes a bottle of vodka with her and just basically flies off yeah there seems to be a kind of split reaction to chloe's character some people love her think she's the best part of the show some people hate her some people say she's just very annoying I'm, i'm on the part where i think she was the best part of the show because i thought that it was the part of the show that felt the most different from all of these other superhero shows that we've been getting an influx of recently it sounds like um boyhood when he comes yeah. home as a teenager and just like flips out yeah basically and brandon tries to run after her and i thought that argument scene where they're outside the house and they're trying to describe kind of why chloe should say that's what brandon's trying to do i thought that was the best part that worked because i definitely got to understand the characters relationships best in that scene do you see this as sort of like a passing of the guard thing? By the end of season one, you'll kind of see the exit of maybe the older superheroes, and then these two will take over? Yeah, I was even wondering if Sheldon was going to die by the end of this first episode, because you kind of get that Avengers endgame. It truly really would have been like the opposite of in- Invincible then, because the Utopian, which I think is a superhero yeah, yeah, name, right uh, is like the superpowered father, mm-hmm. and I assume he is the most powerful. Yeah, yeah, and that's why he reminded me of Invincible. But, He's just but a good un- version. But unlike <laughs> Omni-Man, yeah. uh, he refuses to kill people. Yeah, no. He, and had he, he died in the first episode, that truly would have been like the exact opposite yeah. of what happens. <laughs> yes, he, he has the Batman type of rule that he continually tells his kid. Um, but the thing is, is that Brandon, uh, earlier on in the episode, has his superheroing abilities. And he hears um, his dad basically speak to his mom, Grace. And his dad's like, yeah, Brandon is just thick-headed and he's not ready for this job at all. And he might never be. Yeah, and, he's uh, a shit son. I just, I just <laughs> yeah, hate that kid. <laughs> he went in a little hard on him. And uh, during this final scene with Black Star, who is someone who basically has like a nuclear energy hole in the center of his chest that he can use at any uh, time, 
um, he's basically crushing on Sheldon, and right before he's about to deliver the final blow, Brandon. When has, you say crushing, I thought you meant like he had a pu- well, he, like he, he liked him. He, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's crushing hard on this sixty-year-old no, no, superhero. <laughs> no, he's probably older than that now, but he's he's punching on him, and he's about to just deliver the final blow. And Brandon has the replay in his mind about how his dad said about him. So he punches Black Star so hard that his face is caved in, and he kills him. And you would think that his dad would be happy about that, but no, he just focuses on the fact that Brandon and kill someone instead of saving his life uh, and you're supposed to be on Brandon's side but that's also something that I think had this come out before all these superhero shows and maybe would have liked it a little bit more because something I like about the boys or say Invincible or anything like that is that these superheroes are more than just they're more than two-dimensional you understand where they're coming from and you understand the good guy bad guy aspect right. has been the moral code has been really deliberated in a right. lot of these shows already and in this show it's not that way it's like oh no the here are the bad guys here are the good guys and you might get yeah. some family like conflict but and if it's really it was like based on a comic that came out in like 1940 that would make more sense than if it came out in 2013 right. which it did yeah yeah so you're familiar with Mark Miller's work, right? Yeah, he did like some of my favorite movies, such as like Kingsman, Kick-Ass. Kingsman, Kick-Ass, uh, Wanted. X-Men, First uh, Wanted. As the Logan, yeah. uh, Civil War. Mm-hmm. He's kind of been in charge of all of those, and now he's sold his contract to the Miller world, as he puts it, right. to Netflix, so that they're going to be making a ton of his content. It's funny, though, if you listen to a lot of reviewers who are talking specifically about this show... They think of him as I think of J.J. Abrams, where they think he's all ideas but little actual content. Like, if you ah, read his, his work, a lot of people really hate, like, his dialogue, um, what ends up happening, but they think that his elevator pitches are phenomenal. Like, yeah. he's able to sell the idea, but then from there on out, it's usually just like, oh, we'll get a great artist on board, and that's what makes the, the work great. I've read some uh, some other ones of his, like, nemesis. He's definitely... But I really like Kick-Ass. Yeah, And no, I really I, like uh, I, Logan, so yeah, I, I, like... I, I don't know where to fall on that, but it just sounded that some people are really heated on the fact that, like, this guy is not as good as people I, make him I've heard he's divisive. I'm on the side where I really like his work. Okay, all right. Well, we just made, like, half our audience disappear <laughs> oh, no. from that. Um... Yeah, so you liked the show overall? Yeah, for the most part, I thought that worked well. Okay, but it would have been better out 10 years ago. Yeah, I think it would have been more compelling in that manner. All right, well, that was my last question. I'm just kidding. Um, I have more. From all the superhero abilities that you saw in this episode, which would be the one that you want to take? Like, which would be yours? Which would be your favorite? I like Chloe's power where she can scream because I feel like that's But isn't that, like, tied to her emotions? Like, she can't... Again, we haven't gone there yet, so I don't know her full powers, but in the beginning scene, it seemed like even as a kid, that's a pretty powerful thing to have. Or maybe Uncle Walt, who I think can read minds. He's like Magneto. The Brainiac dude? Yeah. He, yeah, I heard that he's pretty powerful. Yeah, and that, that seemed like a cool thing to have because he literally said he traps Black Star, almost like Thanos does with the Mantis in uh, Avengers Infinity War. He traps Black Star in this weird beach-type place where he's the god, mm-hmm. and he basically is able to control anything. That seems like a cool superhero. Superhero power to have. Yeah, it sounds like the reality stone from like the Avengers yeah. things. That's another thing Mark Miller gets hit for is the fact that he just borrows a lot and then sort of like sells it as his own idea. But there are two more shows that he's working on right now that are going to be com- coming out on Netflix from Space Bandits and then also Magic Order, huh. which are two of his uh, comics that they're adapting. Um, was this Captain American esque with the background history? Because like that started up in the I think twenties or no, something. No, it, it really felt more just like Penny or was Wars. it was it was it World War Two with Captain America? It was World No, it was World War One or World War Two. I think it was World War Two, but yeah. Okay, so like around the same time period, mm-hmm. 
It, it, it wasn't like that. Like I there said, it, you didn't see the heroes get born yet. No. In the actual yeah. comic, they have very little time on the backflash. But in the show, I think it's going to be about half and half. And that's because of the Daredevil guy who came in. He decided, Stephen, whatever, tonight, mm-hmm. he decided, like, we should put more attention onto this. And apparently, as it goes on, it becomes as strong, if not stronger, than the uh, first story. Yeah, and I think that's a smart way to go about it. You get introduced to characters that you know become heroes later on. Like, in the backflash, you get introduced to George, who you learn is Sky Fox um, in the present, who apparently turned on this Justice League-esque team. Yeah, so in that way, it doesn't really sound too much different than what we've seen before like we've talked about a lot of superhero shows out there super saturated market if they had a bigger budget because i have heard some reviews that say that hey the cgi isn't even as good as some cw shows uh but like what did you think of it i thought that it worked fine like i thought that the it fight looked scene cinematic looked good. yeah the part where you said brandon killed that uh, one guy yeah black star it looked That's legit yeah yeah okay and, and the makeup i thought so it didn't need any more money well. you don't think that that would have helped no i thought that looked pretty good for what i did find it funny that the costume designer is the person who's like the personal costume designer of uh, the guy from the expendables uh, obviously rocky what's his face Sylvester Stallone, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, he, she's done all the Expendables, and now she's done this, too. Yeah, no, the costumes looked real, and I think that they almost... They looked, looked real? Not well, from the pictures they well, didn't. Well, no, 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 I, I, was, I was just about to say, they look a little hokey, but I think that that's the point of the show, kind of. Because I feel like some, far, some parts of this are supposed to be somewhat cheesy, but I think that it works. Do you think that if they included Mila Kunis and um, Channing Tatum... No, not from, from Jupiter, Jupiter ascending, ascending that yeah, it would have no, improved no, it at all. Probably made it worse. The reason why I'm asking, of like, <laughs> would this have improved it? Would this have right, improved yeah. it? Is because it has a 6.9 on IMDb and a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Oh, a 39%. I wasn't expecting that. I thought yeah. it would be fresh. So, well, yeah. For mostly, I've heard people are disappointed from the first episode and that it may get a little bit better as as things go on. Yeah, but. Um, I'll, I'll say this. It felt like they were sometimes cramming in stories just because they didn't have enough, like they were running out of time. For example, Barry, who is a superhero, who I didn't even realize was a superhero until the final scene with Blackstar, only has one scene where he meets with Brandon and then dies, like right away. And some of the superheroes are introduced in that final fight scene you don't even meet. <laughs> well, some, one problem that I had with Invincible was that their powers always seemed to be different. Like they couldn't get a good gauge on how powerful someone actually was. Yeah. I always use the example of him throwing the baseball. But how much of that did you actually see in this episode? Like, how much fighting was actually shown? Or was it mostly family dynamics? It was mostly family dynamics. Uh, you just see Brandon... Uh, you see every one of them fly. I think every single one knows how to fly. Um, but you just see Brandon face off against this weird woman who was able to, like, have a face mask, kind of. And then you see the Black Star fight. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the casting. We have Josh Duhamel, which... You know, from Raylan Gibbons and Justified and The Grinder not, and no, Santa Clarita that's, that's Diet. Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. As no, I said, no, Josh Duhamel. No, no, Timothy Oliphant has stated. They're different people. Same people. Same no, person. different people. He's also <laughs> Danny McCoy in Las Vegas, and he's been in a bunch of Transformers movie. His character is made fun of a lot in this show by other characters because he looks like Jesus. He doesn't just... He looks like Zeus-ish, like Jupiter. Yeah, but he even, like, talks about when they're about to have this dinner about the Last Supper. Do you think that they should have... Because they're, like, a hundred-some years old in the actual show timeline. Should they have actually cast, like, a really old person to play the old versions of them and kept the younger castings? 
Yeah, that might that might have worked actually. You would have liked that. Yeah, like does even, it look like old man makeup? Like is it, it just looks like a little bit. You like, can not, tell that not, they're just gonna like rip that off. Not for right Uncle Walt, but for him definitely. They even could have kept Joshua Hamill in the first scene because I feel like he looked how he should have. But later on, yeah, you could tell that they put on the wig, they put on the really big beard. And who and would have played like a really good old version of him? I was gonna say Patrick Short, but then that because they're 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 like dream vision for it would be like Anthony Hopkins, obviously. I would they're, think they're maybe, known for that Thor. Honestly, just to make it look less ridiculous, maybe Jeff Bridges if he kept his big beard, or maybe Lila Garrity's dad from Friday Night Lights. <laughs> okay, yeah. So then you also had Ben Ben Daniels who played the brother, like you were talking about Walter Sampson, and he's in House of Cards. He played the Adam, the guy that uh, was having the affair with the wife in the first mm. season, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, now I know where he's from. Yeah, and then you had Leslie Bibb as Grace Kennedy Sampson, and... I was trying to figure out where she was from, because she looked very familiar, but I just could not place her anywhere. I mean, Iron Man, Iron Man 2. Remember, he had, like, an affair with her or something? I don't remember that, no. Uh, well, he wasn't married at the time, was he? Um, and then there was... Uh, the, the Andrew Horton guy is pretty funny, because he's the one who played Brandon. But when you look up his name to find out, like, how old he is, it comes up with him being 60-some years old. And that's because, yeah, and so, and the Wikipedia is weird, too, because if you click on it, it has all of his history in this banking industry, but it then has his right birthday, and he's, like, 30 years old, and so someone is confusing these two people, (laughs) one, this business, no, because there's, like, all the pictures of him, and then one, like, picture of a really old guy who I can tell is from the banking industry, so they just need to fix that up. Someone has to go in there, and because he's just Yeah, because in the show, I would say he's, like, actually 30 in real life. Yes, that's what I'm saying. He's 30 in real life. Yeah, 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 right. Also, does it seem weird that they've had their kids so late in life? Because it seems... I didn't think so, because I didn't think... I didn't really... Because if you think about it, 1930-whatever is when... Or 1929 is when... Around the time they get their powers. Yeah. And now it's 2021. But again, they're... (laughs) And and so that means that their kids who are playing a little bit younger were born in the 90s. Why didn't they have kids earlier? I mean, again, they're already full blown superheroes, so I, I give the timeline a little bit of a pass, but you didn't see Grace at all in the 1929 uh, flashbacks for this first episode. Is, like, that, it was, is that like a trigger or something? Like, do you think that something happens? Or? No, I think that they're going to reveal something about our character. Like, when we first see her in the flashbacks, I think she's going to maybe have some problem. Like, you see her as Lady something. Liberty, right? Yeah, right. she's flying around and she's punching Black Star a lot in that final fight scene. So, you definitely so see So, it's a family powers. fight. Was Chloe part of that family fight? No, Chloe, I don't think it's there. Again, I think you only see that one scene with her at the dinner if table. If you'd be most depressed by someone dying, who would it probably be? Right now, I'd probably say Brandon, because they're definitely setting him up to be the person who takes over uh, Sheldon's job. Mm-hmm. And do you see this going multiple seasons? Not if it's getting the reviews that it's getting, no. If you had told no, me, I'm pretty sure Netflix is going to like re- it's sign this big deal with Mark Miller. It's not going to just like tap, pass him aside after one battle. I could probably see like season three or season four right now. Okay, what do you predict the show going? I know you've only seen the first episode, but by the end of the season... What I do feel you- like they're going to be introducing a lot more villains. I should probably mention that by the end, Black Star, who we had seen only on TV interviews kind of, uh, throughout the first part of the episode, yeah, he's so going do you to see anybody famous interviewing them? Do, do they get like a no. Jimmy Fallon? To... No, it's only it's only like newscast reports because he's oh. going to jail and he's in an orange jumpsuit. And by the very yeah, end, it does so, sort of like lower your expectations when you think of something like The Boys and, and you're like, oh man, they, right. they don't have any problem kind of ingraining yeah. like and making fun of and, and having that satirical uh, craziness and that's of the real world stuff. There was no satire in this. There's jokes, but there's no like, oh, we're like making fun of superheroes. 
superheroes. They're taking it seriously, which I think kind of hurts the show a little bit. But uh, throughout the episode, you see that Blackstar is in handcuffs and he's going to jail. And by the end, they're like, oh, he broke out. And that's where the fight scene happens. But it turns out he never broke out. And there was another Blackstar that was, that was fighting them. So, like, he's almost like the uh, two-person villain in Invincible, the blue guy. Um, the monster. The twins? Yeah, basically. Because they bring in Blackstar. Yeah, I think I read something about that. I'm not going to talk to you about it, though, because okay. it might be a spoiler. Um, yeah, so this was at By Dawn's Early Light. That's that, the name of the that's episode? That's the name of the episode. Does that make sense? Yes, but there was no scene that uh, kind of signifies Yeah, it's that. just a random title? Yeah. I think probably, so. It probably has some significance probably, that you missed. Yeah, later on. Um, yeah, so would you watch more episodes of this? Uh, like I said, if you said they got good reviews, yes, but now knowing it has, it has bad, bad reviews, reviews, no, yeah. But it did say that the later sh- episodes are better, so most people weren't as big a fan of the pilot as you were. So that might mean that might be a good thing for for you. Maybe, maybe it. but just with the amount of superhero shows coming out, I kind of want to reserve my time for maybe something better. You know, when Daredevil came out a few years ago, it was like it took sort of Netflix by storm. It was like, wow, look at what we can do with superhero right, shows yeah, now, right? And so same same showrunner for the first season. Mm-hmm. Does he pull at least like some of the elements of that show into this one? I mean, yeah, I think the action is shot well. I've heard that the opening is like similar in some way. Yeah, because well, I think they mean tonal wise because it's more serious there. Oh, but, it's darker there than right. it is later in the yeah, show. Yeah, later in the show, it's pretty light until you get to that final fight scene. I um, mean, you could but, say the same thing about Daredevil. They were like super light episodes, and I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> where are you, are you talking? You know, he was about? walking around and getting eating hot dogs and stuff. He wasn't yeah. like punching himself and wanting to die. No, no, but like except for that, there's not there's not anything like this that's like in Daredevil at all. I all think right. Daredevil is super dark, super violent. This really wasn't that. So. Yeah. Any other closing message that you want to leave this with? No, I'll say that if you want to see the show, you should definitely at least give it a try because I do think that their views maybe are a little harsh to it. But um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. So. So you would have given it a higher on tomato score. Probably. It has like a 76 on audience score though. So Okay, so the audience likes it more than the critics. Yep, and I think that'll do it for our episode today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Bye. Bye.